0: Welcome, my name is Gina Timberman and you are listening to Timber People, a podcast about people who, like Timber, are strong, build and create, who gather us together like fuel that feeds fire. People who support structures of our community that uplift and protect. Halito! Welcome to my friend, Sarah Adams, my Chata sister. I'm yes. so happy to be with her today. Alito, Alito. <laughs> oh. I've been wanting to get together with you and connect for so long, and I'm so happy that we are able to be together on the timber people podcast you are a timber person thank you the you stars are-
1: <laughs> align today here we are i'm
0: so excited you uh, are an advocate an educator you are an artist you're a friend and so many wonderful ways that you advocate and educate and support and protect structures of our community, especially our Indigenous community. And I want to thank you for your work and thank you for being a timber person and also appreciate you being on the show today, Yakoki. Well, thank you,
1: Yakoki to you. I think that this is such a fun forum to um just talk about. And, you know, as you know, we could go on for hours on any number of topics, but this is such a great um a great forum just because representation is so dang important. And in these spaces, there are they're, they're limited voices about Indigenous, especially contemporary Indigenous things that are happening. So this is so legit, so excited. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you. And I know today we're going to touch on several of the projects that you have been involved with, but I want to talk start out talking a little bit about you and how you really got into advocacy and in community voice. Okay, yeah. Um, I
1: think nobody really plans to get into advocacy. It's always just kind of uh, because of a need in the community. There's a need that comes up you may or may not know how to solve it, but you do know a million people who have a piece of the puzzle, and so for me that felt very much what it was about. Um, I think I started um, talking about um, accuracy and education when we were talking about land run reenactments, and so I had little bitties at the time. Uh, my my kiddos were very young. And I was looking to Brenda Golden. She was doing a lot of work in the community. And so I um, started just participating, like just kind of baby stepping into um, the work to just to just learn, really, uh, to just do what I could, whatever piece I could. And from there, it just kind of grew, you know, having good mentors is incredibly important. And um Also having some bravery to be able to just kind of step out and say hard things um, that and what happens or what what has been my experience is that um, sadly needs don't stop. Right. Like once we kind of work on a project, usually there's something else that comes up that's like, hey. We really need to work on this. And so it really has just kind of snowballed into working on lots of things from environmental issues to educational accuracy to uh, really just social justice in general for black, brown and queer communities. And so, um, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, I never planned really to do this. I wanted to, when I was very young, I said, I want to be a cheerleader and an attorney <laughs> or a lawyer. So I was a cheerleader young, never got to the attorney step, but through my work with the ACLU, I feel like I've learned a ton about law.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but uh, yeah, so it really is born of necessity. And um, And I love that we have so many leaders in our community to look to who have just been incredible mentors to me.
0: I remember meeting you when you had little ones and you were really focused on the indigenous perspective in our schools and to watch, knowing you, but also watching your work and advocacy in our community really evolve into projects like Matriarch. Um, That was established, you know, what, maybe eight years ago? Mm -hmm. That's really great. I love the the pillars of support, education, advocacy, because when I think of you, I think of those value pillars and – especially being an indigenous woman, when indigenous women support each other, incredible things happen. And I saw that quote on the website. And can you talk a little bit about how that movement with Matriarch and the vision really got started? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Again, out of necessity, right?
1: right. We saw um, there was uh, probably nine years ago, there was this really big outbreak of youth suicides in Indian country. And we had tons of moms who were talking about, uh, indigenous moms talking about like, what do we do? Like, where do we go? We call the Indian clinic or we call our tribe. And, you know, they're telling us they can get us in, in three months. And I need something now. And there was just a lot of a lot of despair, a lot of needing community, needing resources, needing access. And uh, Kendra Wilson and Clements and I, like, literally we met and we were talking over pizza and some wine and a matriarch was born out of ideas surrounding that issue just on a napkin in, you know, as we were having dinner. and And we decided these, you know, being able to teach Um, some of these things is not, these are things we can learn. These are skills we can learn. And we have incredible resources, other indigenous women in our community who are willing to teach. And so if we just bring all of those people together together, We can save ourselves. We can teach our kids how to save themselves. And so from there, it, it was kind of around that issue. But then we realized, you know, there are a lot of other issues happening impacting Indigenous families in our community, let's let's talk about other issues, whether we're talking about uh, financial stability or MMIW, or we're talking about um, um, wellness, uh, mental health, if we're talking about indigenous cooking or beating, you know, lots of fun things built in as well. Um, it became, in essence, a support system. I mean, that's at its core, that's what it is. Um, it's very intertribal, just like Oklahoma is. We have a chapter in Oklahoma City and a chapter in Tulsa, and we're thinking of expanding again. We're a nonprofit, so we all are volunteers. We all have day jobs, so we're all, but we have an incredibly strong board um, that has made it a very well functioning group, and I have to do much less work than I did in the beginning. But it's incredible what has happened because I don't know that we ever anticipate other than like just bringing people together and learning skills. But what has happened is we're seeing our sisters run for office. We're seeing them go back to school. We're seeing them become leaders of their home or become artists or entrepreneurs. And it's because those things happen when you have a support system. Um, And it's just gorgeous the way they support each other and and that's due to them. you know that's that's due to them. that, that has nothing to do with us. Um, and it's it's just every year, you know, our our uh, applications fill up faster and faster this last time, I think both classes filled in about eight hours. And so the need is there. We need more people to to create more spaces like this. And truly, it's not rocket science, right? Like you can have coffee and a plate of cookies at your home and the best work happens around a kitchen table. So it's just old ways of our mothers and our grandmothers and our aunties
0: um, just making space for each other and feeding each other. It's really important, especially that matriarchal aspect that so many of our tribal cultures are connected to, mm-hmm. and also the concept of sovereignty, mm-hmm. that reality, that, that innate nature um, to actually have that self-sufficiency within your community and with your culture to care and to be cared for, mm-hmm. and so that's, that's really beautiful. You mentioned the um, being aunties. I mm-hmm. am an auntie now. Uh, she's two years old, baby Andy, and I just love being an auntie, but that's so connected to that sense of family, extended family. Our communities have stayed together, our tribes, um, tribal relationships by that sense of family, that we're connected, that um, that we continue, that we transcend our experiences, positive and negative, then our resilience carries us forward and we we carry on. And it's through those community connections also through that sense of extended family relationships. I love the ANTI project and seeing the need of other communities, other indigenous communities that may not be in Oklahoma or may not be in our neighborhood or within um, our community here in Oklahoma. The ANTI project is a really special one and I know that there are ripple effects that are happening throughout Indian country but also with the intention of having a positive influence with um, with children you know in other parts of the world. Absolutely.
1: And it's it's such a joy to be a part of the Anti Project. It was the heart work of Dr. Amanda Cobb greetham And she, I mean, don't we all just love her? She's Laurie incredible. Woman. Love Amanda. <laughs> Uh, but that was kind of her, uh, you know, this this idea of aunties coming together. And that was born around the time when we thought we were going to see... When families were being separated at the border and children were being separated from their parents and were being held, we thought we were going to see a large group of children come to Oklahoma. Um, and uh, as Indigenous people, we have historically um, a really horrible, uh, history of our children being separated from our families through boarding schools. And so I think there's this instant visceral kind of reaction when we hear something like that, that's happening today. You know, these things are happening today. And she rallied this incredible group of indigenous women, uh, to come together to do something about it, um, which meant some fundraising. And then from there we were like, well, there are lots of other needs for indigenous kids in the community. What, what can we do next? Um, so we've done things like, um, partner with the food bank and, uh, create food boxes for sovereign community school or help an indigenous youth basketball team, um, refurbish their uh, their locker room and just uh, we sent our DNA relatives when COVID was hitting them really hard funds. And so um, the cool part, I mean, there's not one uncool part about the anti-project, but one of my favorite parts is that um, I'm one of the younger members of the anti-project, so I get to be with the these anti-elders, and I, I know exactly where my place is, right? Like, you say, yes, ma'am, you clear the plates, and you do what they say. Not that they ever take advantage of that, but I think as I get older, I yearn to be in those spaces again where... You have that layer of protection of that generation above you to where you really are not, you're not, you're not the decision maker in those spaces. You're, you're listening and you're learning. And I just soak it up. (laughs) You're so great.
0: I love it. You're a great educator. You teach many things. You share many things. And you're learning with the elders, just like we all are. And it's we talk about that sense of journey. I think staying connected to elders in our community in those beautiful ways reminds us that our journey is continuing. We are still on our way. Absolutely. And to see and to um to know about all of the the beautiful things that you are all doing is really important. And you mentioned trauma and the separation of families. Historic trauma is real. Mm-hmm. It's like this guitar string that's connected to our past mm-hmm. um, and it reverberates through us today and it'll still be connected, you know, in the future, and it reverberates back and forth. And, you know, for our people, you know, that the stories of removal for tribes, Native people, for our people, the uprooting and dislocation of many um families and individuals that's still, that's still with us today. And so I really appreciate that aspect of the anti-project is recognizing and addressing the needs of people who are, are going through experiences of trauma. I really appreciate your work in seeing um, that continuing need, that one project you mentioned leads to another, and that there are youth throughout our communities that have been disconnected, mm-hmm. that may not experience safe places and spaces where they can just be themselves and to share that you as an auntie, as a mother, as a matriarch, as a strong indigenous woman, as a warrior woman, that that you have co-founded a, a project like Cousins for the LGBTQ community? Yeah, it it really,
1: again, born out of need. Mm -hmm. But it is, well, first let me just say that these kids are incredible. Like, they are rock stars, and I am lucky... To be able to hang out with them. Like I am definitely the the most uncool kid in that room. And <laughs> it's just, they're just um, I feel like they're generations. So cousins, um, I I co-founded it with Kendra Wilson Clements, who I right. co-founded Matriarch with. So um awesome. a really again born of need. Kendra was the founding wellness teacher for Sovereign Community School, and she formed um, if you and I know you know and love Kendra as well, but to know her is to love her. and these kids absolutely adored her. And what she brought to their lives in terms of understanding your emotions, understanding yourself, learning how to deescalate, like these really profound, but simple um, ways of understanding ourselves um, and really focusing on wellness it's it it sounds like this new kind of you know people are talking about wellness now well these are our old ways right like we had so many ceremonies built around um you know um coming of age and uh the different ways that we celebrated different stages of life that a lot of us have been con- disconnected to especially urban indigenous people um and so uh, it was really important that we were able to talk to and gather together our Two Spirit LGBTQ youth to tell them, "You are incredibly special. You are incredibly needed in our community." Here's what it used to be like, and we understand that that's not reflected today. You're not, you know, you, you're you're facing a lot of challenges that, um, that are unfair, that aren't just, uh, the equity is not there for you. And we get that. Um, but we have a lot of incredible community members and elders and who have walked that path, who understand it. And, uh, we're going to bring everybody together to help you remember not only how special you are, but the responsibility that you have within your tribe. You know, so long ago, our 2S community members were seen as medicine people. They were seen as these very important people who could walk in different spaces. Some tribes have multiple, like seven or eight different words to identify gender. And so it's not this new thing that people like to think about or some, you know, it's very old, Um, we just have to reclaim what's always been ours around equity and gender and give our kids a safe space. And that's really what Cousins is about. Um, We're looking forward to, we're just in the baby stages of it. We've only been together for about a year. So we're still building it out and figuring out how do you do this in a safe way and um, what are the things? Because it's statewide. We have kids all the way up, you know, in northeastern Oklahoma and then south so uh, we're still figuring it out but they're an incredible group of people and I'm so lucky to get to work with them
0: I'm glad it's statewide I'm really appreciative of the fact that you have virtual events Mm -hmm. where no matter where a young person is on their journey that they can connect and to be included and to be a part whether they're in you know whether they're in Miami Oklahoma or in Durant or in Oklahoma City, Mm -hmm. that they can be connected. And I'm, I'm really appreciative of the Oklahoma Council for Indian Education for their support and involvement. I know they've had town hall meetings and... Um, have been supportive, and so I'm really appreciative of that as well. Yeah, their leadership, OCIE in general, if, if you all don't
1: know, you're listening and you're wondering about the Oklahoma Council for Indian Education, they have incredible leadership and are doing incredible things in the community. Um, Allison and Tasha are some of my uh, just closest friends, and they do so much hard work. And then both of them sit on the national committee as well, and so we have this strong Oklahoma women leadership you know, who are on the national stage for
0: Indian ed. And it's just, uh, we could go on and on. It's important. It's it is important. I'm appreciative of those warrior women as well. Heck yeah, out <laughs> there just killing it. So the Sovereign Community School, when I first heard about that uh, project uh, years ago, several years ago, just the fact that we just now have that has just now evolved with as many Native communities that we have in our state. I was so happy to hear about that really focus on American Indian culturally relevant curriculum in the school system and how that has really Taken how that has really come together. Can you talk about the sovereign community school? Because I love it. And we talk about taking care of yourself and this aspect of like a holistic way of looking at um, a curriculum Mm -hmm. or a program that it's taking care of you, that it's culturally connected, value connected, that leadership skills are employed to prepare for the next generations of tribal leaders and our warriors. Yes. And and then what they're learning that is relevant to the broader sense of curriculum in the state. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, That's exciting. Love, and you've, love, you've love, really laugh. been <laughs> just so such a, an incredible pillar for that project to move forward. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. I, uh, it was an incredible, an incredible journey, an incredibly difficult journey. Um, and uh, Phil Gover is the one who 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 brought that idea and uh, approached me at the time to to help out with that project. And there were many, many, many hands that came together to to make the school, to create the school. And it really, really at its essence is an, a community-informed school. And what that means is that we held many community forums to say – we know our schools are failing us. We know that our kids are dealing with, um, you know, our boys dealing with being bullied for long hair, dealing with land run reenactments, dealing with native mascots, dealing with um, inaccurate um, curriculum that still talks about our people as savage or subhuman. And there, are, those are a lot of barriers to deal with, just just to deal with those things, but then expecting our kids to be able to learn and thrive and grow in situations like that when they're being tokenized very often in classrooms as like the Indian kid who should know about all Indian things, <laughs> right? right? Um, is it, It's difficult. And so when we look at our graduation rates, when we see things like that happen, there's no denying that there are some cracks that our kids are falling through. And for as long as I had been involved in trying to bolster this, you know, JOM, being on those committees, trying to figure out ways to bolster schools, and not seeing a lot of change, it it finally was like, okay, we've got to do something different. We've got to give them a place where curriculum is indigenized. I mean, right. you know, maybe instead of reading Shakespeare, they're going to read Joy Harjo, you know, or um, learning about all the ways that indigenous communities absolutely um, are a part of this knowledge base, but just aren't acknowledged, right? Um, And the major pillars, whenever we talked to the community and said, okay, we know what you and your students need to thrive, like you are the experts, like what, what kind of school and what should we focus on? And overwhelmingly, they talk to us about wellness and they talk to us about indigenized curriculum mm-hmm. um, and it being a very welcoming intertribal space. And so that's what we focused on. So this concept, again, of wellness in education is not rocket science, right? Like teaching um, people how to identify emotions how to de-escalate how to meditate how to you know whether there were opportunities to go to sweat learning how to use our plant medicines understanding our relationship to the to the land to each other to um, to our elders to our four-leggeds like all of these things, are part of that balance. And it is so missing from public education right now. Like it's almost the opposite, um, where they focus on production and you know, what are your grades? How are your tests? Produce, produce, produce. And we're not saying, okay, how are you? Because if you're feeling suicidal. Not learning, right? If you're feeling depressed, your capacity for learning is so much less. And so we really wanted to flip that narrative to say, first, let's focus on making sure that you're well, and then let's look at everything else. And so it was this really uh, the kids are incredible, the teachers are incredible, and I'm so excited because Allison Black was just named the new head of school. And she is a rock star. Um, Kendra Wilson Clements is sitting on, as president of the board right now. So we have these powerhouse women, really, um, you know, doing their best to try to make Sovereign
0: um, what we dreamt up. And that's a right. that's a large order. So <laughs> awesome, and it's something that really could become a standard for a new standard for other communities, other schools, other, uh, other areas across Indian country, native and non-native alike, mm, is absolutely. about looking at that that well-being mm-hmm. of a being. Yes. And what does that mean? And, and how are we connected to our values, to the it's really important to that we carry on that's that sense of continuum, that those traditional ways of life those values, they're still being carried through, and how they can become really relevant can be taught in everyday experiences that that our young people are exposed to, and it's important. It's important for a person, for any person. It's important to our next uh, generations of educators, of leaders. Um, I'm just really proud of the hard work that you and everyone have put into um, into the, the school and the program. Absolutely, and they need help right now. So, if listeners are interested in supporting
1: Sovereign Community School, um, they're looking they're fundraising right now to try to make sure that the school is open for a long time. Um, unfortunately, the State Board of Education has just continually attacks them with different different things to uh, hurdles to overcome. Uh, it hasn't felt very um, fair and equitable depending, you know, seeing how other schools are treated. So it's really, it, it's definitely a school that needs your support. Um, and, and, you know, even community members, if you know how to do something, if you know how to sew or drum or sing or, You want to talk about plant medicine or anything like that that would benefit, um, you know, our younger generation of indigenous youth. Um, They need volunteers to come and teach those things. And it really is this incredible intertribal group. Um, You can go to their website. And I appreciate, Gina, if you'd share that with with everyone um, to, to really lean in because it is absolutely this community informed school. And so community is
0: very important to us absolutely sense of community consciousness you know which is important in being taught in our educational systems justice for different communities and cultures when we think about justice you know a movement that i know that's close to your heart and mine is the mmiw the missing and murdered indigenous women's initiative and we know that, you know, Native women are up to 10 times more likely to be murdered or sexually assaulted. And just having a voice for women who cannot be heard, that is so important. And I'm really appreciative of your advocacy efforts with MMIW.
1: Thank you. It's um, it, it's so beautiful for me to see this Resurgence of women leadership throughout Oklahoma, especially with all the MMIW chapters that have have just grown, um, that are really doing the boots on the ground work. So what we're seeing is when one of our relatives goes missing, whatever area you're in, these chat there's a chapter will be near you, and they help. You understand, okay, here are the steps that you need to take. We'll build a flyer for you. We will circulate that to our communities. We'll form search parties. And they're all doing this unpaid. They're volunteers. And it's sad to me that we don't receive equitable protection, that there are so many, you know, jurisdictional scapegoats around not being able to protect our women, um, from state, local, and federal government. Thank goodness there's work being done in our community to help close some of those loopholes. But, you know, there's so much that still needs to be done. Um, and these these chapters are really, as, as all Indigenous, and they're mainly women-led, women do, they fill in the gaps where the needs are. Um, and they're doing that work. Um, coming up in... Um, April and in March, um, I'll be hosting a panel at Oklahoma City University about uh, MMIW. And then in April, we're going to do a training about what to do because there's no, there are no guides, you know, you never expect for your loved one to go missing. And then the emotional trauma the you're in panic mode. It's hard to think straight. It's hard to remember and know that, you know, when you're reporting them missing, you don't want to ever say that they're runaways. You don't ever want to talk about their criminal past because it's another way for law enforcement to be like, Oh, well, they live, you know, high risk lives. So, you know, they, they don't prioritize their lives or that, Oh, they might come home. And unfortunately, being missing is not illegal, but we we have to continue to reintroduce policy in Oklahoma so that there was a um, there was a bill um, two legislative sessions ago um, to try to enact kind of it was called. Um, Uh, It was called a a red alert for adults who go missing under unusual circumstances. Um, The initial bill was called the Aubrey Dameron Act um, after one of our indigenous sisters who went missing about four years ago. And the legislators would not... Hear it on the floor saying that if it was named after a trans woman, they wouldn't hear it. So they had to change the name of the bill, and it just goes to show how much work needs to be done. Like this is the problem, right? Like you've 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 shown us exactly what the problem is here. Um, but. Um I'm just super grateful for those women. I'm, I'm super happy to be a very small piece of the work that's happening in our community, but it is a crisis. And, um, I'm, I'm so glad to see, you know, we have this new law in Oklahoma right now that, um, um, Lorenda Morgan and lots of other people worked really hard to, to see happen. Um, and it's only partially funded right now, you know, that there's somebody in that office, but they're doing it part-time and this is a very large job. Um, so I see that these chapters are still gonna, you know, we still need them to do this work until, until we are prioritized as human people, as we're prioritized as people who deserve to be searched for. A lot of times, You'll see um, non-native people go missing, specifically white women, like Gabby Petito, and there is just this overwhelming um, media support. And then our women go missing in the exact same spot, and you never hear about it. Yeah. So
0: there's a lot to be done. And it goes back to our indigenous values of you know the, our, our relationships to one another, you know, in our communities. Uh, even people we don't know, in respecting life, respecting one another, regardless of our differences, uh, those responsibilities that we have to one another, to care for one another. And I really appreciate the hard work that you and, and other warriors have across the state that have brought these issues to light. And... With MMIW, I know that we begin to see the symbol of the red hand, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be um, stand alone or covering the mouth in representation of those who have been silenced, who, or for families who have not had a voice in their loss and in their grief, and for those women who are missing and have been endangered. And we see that identity of those issues in fashion, mm-hmm. We see aspects of our identity in the beadwork Mm -hmm. and the way that we represent our tribal cultures in fabrics Mm -hmm. and in all of the beautiful aspects of how we identify as Native people. And I always love to see your work. I always love to see your process. I love to see your family (laughs) from when you're providing a presentation and sharing to when you're creating in the fashion shows, on social media, in Paris, in the <laughs> coolest outfit that I have ever oh, seen. Why, well, thank you. And I want to talk about Native fashion and your artwork specifically a little bit and talk a little bit about and um, what that means to you. Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. I think it's,
1: it's one of those things that is definitely trauma healing work for me. It's definitely a time, um, and I'll, I'll rip up off a quote from, um, this little one that I was teaching to bead. Uh, we were at a, I think we were at the diversity center and it was very, you know, beating one hundred and one kind of thing. And I had this little one with me who was probably seven, six, something like that, uh, made their first earring. And I was like, what do you think? How is it? Are you having fun? And they said, it makes my head quiet. Uh, And I thought, that's so great. That is exactly (laughs) it. There's something about doing that work that stills you, that roots you. The hum of a sewing machine is something that it calms me down. It's it's also very nostalgic for me. My mother, my grandmother used to sew, and so those noises and that that hum is just something that helps me feel connected to my women, to my people, to my sisters, and the opportunity to to take what you're feeling inside and and put it outside of your body is is kind of incredible. Um, and the fact that anybody wants to buy it, right? <laughs> it's like a plus. Uh, and it's just it's joyful. Um, and it's one of those things, too, that um I love. so I, I host these things at my home called uh, Tea and Bead. And we get together. we bring projects that we're working on, and we have tea and we have snacks and we art and we eat and we talk. And it's something about being around um, indigenous sisters and creating things that the best solutions to problems happen in those spaces the the uh, release of these these held these sorrows in our heart are lightened and in places like that um joy is like 10 times better in those spaces laughs are way loud and they shake the walls <laughs> it's so good but it's just it's healing and to me um, being able to, I feel like I still have a hard time saying artists. Like I don't feel like an artist. Um, I was never trained, you know, like to do any of this stuff. I've had sisters lean in and be like, Hey, you know, check this out or do this. So I, I do owe them, you know, definitely they, they've led the way. Um, but it's just joyful. So, Doing the top hats has been super fun. I Thank you it. very much for buying my top hat, Gina. I'm so, I'm so excited. Happy. <laughs> uh, you need to take her for a spin because she's ready a to 100%. go out on all That is totally down. happening. <laughs>
0: it's going to um, be a very
1: special occasion. <laughs> absolutely. And it was so funny, too. I was like, you know, I know a lot of people probably don't buy top hats, but, man, I love them. <laughs> I, I do want too. one in every color. Um, but then, you know, to, to sew, too, and teaching my kids how to do that was just fantastic. So Blue has surpassed me in all the ways when it comes to these these skirts. And she's doing a lot of dentilium work now too. And they go like hotcakes. She posts them and they're gone within 10 minutes. And uh, she's got this great you know, art, and she's got this great side hustle for this college kid who's, you know, trying to trying to make it. Um, and Soup has just incredible beater that does um, like the transition work, the gradient work is just, you know, in their own right, they're incredible artists. And
0: it's so it's so it's so good from our heart to see that happen. And they're incredible people. Your family is so special. And well, thank you, incredible people, all of you. I know that you have many things coming up. Do you want to mention any upcoming events? I know yes, that you have please. an Indigenous foods kind of initiative going on as well as there's always something going on at uh, the First Americans Museum also. Always. But um, is there anything coming up that you'd like? Uh, <gasps> the listeners so to hear about anything. <laughs> um, when we were talking about native fashion, um, you know, there's,
1: there's a, uh, uh, Kelly Holmes who was the founder of native fashion in the city, which was one of the first native fashion shows that I had ever seen in, in our, well, in the U S. Um, outside of market you know they've been doing some fashion shows recently too but she's been doing it for a long time and she's based out of denver and it always happens around denver march um and we've been a part of that show for me volunteering and blue modeling for goodness seven years I, i can't even remember um but we kelly and i are great friends and as we were talking and as you and i have had conversation about this we have so much incredible talent in this state that that we need to have a market we need to have you know we need to be a mecca for um, fashion, indigenous fashion and art, uh, because we just have way too many talented people here to not do these things. Um, so Kelly is doing an audition, a modeling audition on February 4th at First Americans Museum. Um, and, uh, it's to recruit models for the Native Fashion in the City, uh, runway show in Denver. Um, and that'll be during Denver March. Um, so if there are people who are interested, all shapes and sizes, all ages, um, we would love to have you out to, to come and give it a shot. It's super fun, very, um, uh, very low stress show. Um, and it's great for beginners, somebody, if, if you've never been in a show before, if you've never modeled before, this is a great place to learn, to get your feet wet. Um, we'd love to have you out. Um, and then also, Uh, again, at, uh, Oklahoma city university, we're going to, we're going to have a MMIW panel and I can get the dates on that and then we'll have a training. And I think those are important things for us to continue to talk about. Um, and then matriarch is going to have their art market again at first Americans museum, um, this, uh, summer, I believe it's going to be in May. Um, so it's all indigenous women, two spirit, non-binary people, um, and and really when you support that art, you're supporting Indigenous women to spirit non-binary people. And that helps combat MMIW. When we have resources and financial stability, it gives us more access to be able to leave situations that might not be healthy for us. And so we have to continue to remember to reinfuse those dollars back into our community to make sure that our artists can continue to be artists.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I love you, my Chata sister friend, warrior woman, Sarah Adams. Thank you. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so excited for everything that you are doing and to see it really making impacts in our community and can't wait to have you back again. Yakoki. Yakoki, can't wait to, to do this again. Great, thank you. Yakoki. Thank you for joining us. Timber People is brought to you by the Possibilities Podcast Platform.